episode immediately after watching so one view it's all we got one view yeah i'm really some, excited yeah we had some schedule conflicts so we figured you know what why not why not just jump right in knock and, it off yeah and, and get it going give us the uh give us the details there cameron what's Man. uh the name of this episode so quick episode tonight but uh episode three time to fly directed by steph green and time to fly is correct yeah because space battle fans Rejoice! I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it was great. I I really I really enjoyed it. Um, just in terms of the visuals, yeah, but it just had that that classic, you know, Star Wars feel. Intense. I mean, it's gonna be easy to to compare, you know, the comp of Sabine shooting in the gun turret sure. to to A New Hope, but I would say to Rebels too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which I'm still we're still waiting on the ghosts, like. I feel like we're on a bit of a, a ghost countdown now. Like, how long is it going to be before we jump onto the ghost? Yeah, seriously. But, yeah, you you mentioned a New Hope uh, yeah. callback, but I just kept looking at um, what? What's her name? Um, Ahsoka. Padawan. No. Sabine. No. Uh, Shin. Ba- Shin. Shin Hati. Yes. Yeah. My gosh. Um, I just got like the determination and like the look in her eyes, right? With the little comms thing on, it, it just oh, it reminded yeah. me so much of Anakin. Anakin episode like, three, episode right? three, Anakin, yeah. just in his Jedi Starfighter, just hundred percent, yeah. So. It, it, it did, it did really have those vibes. Um, before we get too far in the mm-hmm. episode, uh, I wanted to do a quick little bit of clarification of where we might be in the timeline, um, and maybe maybe a couple of programming notes and then we'll we'll dig into the episode in earnest uh yeah so we'll start with programming notes uh so the podcast this is our second episode Mm -hmm. and you know you might be like me might be a little bummed that there wasn't that much balin in this episode balin is definitely bailed well he bailed right out he bailed right (laughs) out of the show he's he's definitely one of my favorite parts of the show yeah um and to only get him for that brief little glimpse at the end i was a little bit bummed uh and if you're like me we do have some good news for you we're going to be dropping uh basically like a little mini episode uh this weekend and it's going to be all about balin we're talking about it's it's going to just be some speculation we've uh we've got our first call in we're going to be dropping in a little speculation from them we're really trying to determine what balin's motivations are Mm -hmm. uh why is he after this power uh what what might his past be what might his goals be and that's essentially going to be the the mini episode that we're recording so yeah if you're bummed that there wasn't any bailing this week 
Party's not over on Balin. Nope. Yeah, we're we're definitely gonna dig into him a little bit later. So yeah, um, if you would, one of the biggest things you can do. We're a brand new podcast. Uh, keep listening. Number one, stay subscribed so you get these mini episodes like what we're talking about. And if you can hit us with a quick rating and review, it'll really make a big difference for us. Uh, help help get the word out to other listeners. If you've got other Friends, family, they're into Star Wars. Please just shoot them a text and just ask them to check us out. I think that they uh, no, they, they could definitely enjoy it. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. Don't ask. Just tell them. Just check tell them. Out. Don't ask. So, quick clarification on timeline. And I want your thoughts on this too, Cameron. Uh, I, I talked to a lot of people this week about the show. And everyone was like... <laughs> Where is it? Yeah. Uh, some people are like, so is Vader, Vader, yeah, yeah v- Vader's gone. Uh, specifically where I really think we are, I think that we are post chapter 13, which is uh, season two, episode five of Mando, titled The Jedi, where Ahsoka uh, captures Morgan Elspeth. I think that we're like right there. So, so this is almost like concurrently running with the end of season two. I get the feeling that this is all before Ahsoka is visiting Luke in the book of Boba Fett. Mm. Uh, I, I, I can't say for sure. She does seem to be a little more chipper <laughs> in the book of Boba Fett episode than she sort of has been acting in, in these episodes too. I feel like there's a little bit of a character differentiation. Uh, what of that tracks or doesn't track for you? Um, I, I think that kind of depends on how we're feeling about how this season of Ahsoka is going to go and how long we're going to see them in this other galaxy. Yeah. Because I think if they get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good point too. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of in the camp that this is going to be pretty extended as far as um, the time spent in this other galaxy that they're going to. So I don't know if I'm, if I'm a hundred percent thinking that this is squeezed between season two and season three Mando. So you think that I'm just, I'm just following. Mm-hmm. You think Morgan has been sitting in that, one cell and this whole time Ahsoka's had the information from her about where this map is you think that's been like a year plus no and that's a good point no I do feel like it does fit well for this to kind of come right off the tails of that because we see Balin and Shin breaking her out in what seems like a very recently after She's been on this prison transport ship. Yeah. Um, I just don't know. I don't know how I feel about them getting to where we think they're going to get to where Ezra and uh, Thrawn are and then getting back in time for Ahsoka to then go visit well, could Grogu be, and Luke. But, but I think that the 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 timeline, it was very confusing when Favreau was trying to sort of clarify it but i mm-hmm. want to say that they said that everything was sort of moving in real time so like when when um at the end of mando season two all the way to book of boba fett like a year had passed so we've got a year that she could be out there exploring and doing all this stuff yeah i don't i don't know that it's like super tight it really it really depends on <laughs> what's the travel between these galaxies going to be like, mm-hmm. you know, does Ahsoka have access to this, you know, ring of Scion? Like, is she using that to go back and forth? Question yeah. mark. Like who knows, man? That's a, yeah. That's a good point. How, how is, how are they going to get there unless mm-hmm. they're on board with, with Morgan and yeah, I don't know. I mean that, that part we're going to see, but, but as far as the timeline goes, I feel pretty confident with the whole post episode five of season two pre book of Boba Fett, but I'm open to, uh, to finding out differently, but it's, it's, it's certainly somewhere within that timeline. Another clarification before we dig in really is just to the, 
I've just been seeing some people complaining about the characterization of Ahsoka and just in terms of her, the way she's acting, sort of this like neutral expression a lot of the times, kind of cold. Uh, but, you know, I got to say, it feels very consistent with Ahsoka's trajectory as a character. Yeah. You know, everything post season five, when she was expelled from the Jedi Order, um, everything post that, she's really been a bit of a, a darker character. She doesn't laugh. She's not as lighthearted as she used to be in this earlier Clone Wars series. Yeah. Um, and and I would say that's season seven of Clone Wars. That's everything we saw in Rebels. That's mm-hmm. the one episode in Tales of the Jedi that takes place a little bit after Clone Wars. She's just kind of become a bit of a stoic character. She's been through a lot. Yeah. And I, 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 I can't help but feel like part of this journey that we're going to be on with Ahsoka is her sort of going back to that place mm-hmm. that she she used to be in. Um, I don't know. Does it feel she, like she's... Uh, the character is is too different in your mind? Or are no. we seeing a pretty congruent Ahsoka to you? Yeah, I, I would say congruent. I mean, we're seeing an Ahsoka that we haven't seen before. This is, this is a continuation of the Ahsoka that we've seen grow up through the Clone Wars and through Rebels. So I think it makes sense where she is now, mm-hmm. even though it may feel unfamiliar but yeah we're looking at an ahsoka who's been you know burnt out with the jedi order she's obviously got some unresolved issues between she and sabine that she's kind of working through as well like the feelings of failure right not to mention the fact that we saw her find out in rebels that her master is Darth Vader. Yeah. Like that's also happened. Yeah. And that is when you really think about it chronologically, besides the Mando episode, that's the last thing we saw Ahsoka do. Mm -hmm. She found that out. Ezra pulls her out in the world between worlds shows over. Like that's, that's pretty much it. So she's dealing with With a lot. lot. Uh, So it's not, it, it to me, if she was acting like the Ahsoka that we most think of, meaning from the bulk of the Clone Wars, uh, that that would be a bit strange to me. Yeah, uh, and and it would be, I mean, not to mention the fact that it would be hard to convert that from animation to live action with right. with this with this childish teenager energy, you know, moving around quickly and talking quickly and just yeah. jerky, lots of jerky movements, even. And we'll get into this as we move through the episode chronologically, but even her being out fighting and some of the fights, I won't, I won't spoil it before we get sure, to sure. it. Sure, so, sure. Well, let's yeah. jump into the episode. Yeah. So written by Dave Filoni, directed by Steph Green, who yep. also directed uh, the second part of Ahsoka. She also directed chapter two of Book of Boba Fett, which is just ah. probably, it's hard to top the one Filoni did with Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka and everything, but... If I were to pick one that didn't have Mando in it, it would definitely be that Seth Green episode. It's just it's just a great episode. I love seeing Boba Fett trip on acid in the desert or whatever it was, that <laughs> lizard thing. Man, uh, I haven't thought about that episode since I watched it. That <laughs> oh, was it's it's so great. I I like to watch it all the time. I was I was sleep deprived when I was watching that. I can't remember I, or it was either it was wee hours of the night, and I can't remember yeah. if it was because my daughter had just been born or not, and I was watching stuff just at all hours of the day and night. But I remember like Almost feeling very aligned with that episode because I was like a little, a little trippy. I was a little like kind of dozing in in and out and yeah. All right, so the episode begins with a training sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got Ahsoka, we've got Sabine, we got Hu Yang, uh, Cameron. I want you to do me a favor. Yep, just got something in the mail this week. Mm-hmm. I got the Star Wars timeline book. Nice. Not read the whole thing. There's a lot of time, apparently, that's gone <laughs> on. Uh, I want you to read for me the very first entry in the Star Wars timeline book. Oh, this is heavy. I promise that it is heavy. I promise that it's going to tie in. Okay. This is 25,020 BBY, which is before the Battle of Yavin. Professor Hu Yang powered up. Ah, uh, mm. the architect droid Professor Hu Yang begins training Jedi younglings 
in the delicate art of lightsaber construction. So I just want to say this. Wow. He's been training Jedi for 25,000 years. Mm-hmm. And Sabine is the worst, the worst one, one ever. Yeah. Come on, man. Slam. Dude is just... She's like... Ahsoka's like, you told her that? And he's like, it's true. It's true, yeah. <laughs> so he doubled um, down. He was like, no, I wasn't just exaggerating. Out of all 25,000 years, yeah, she is the worst. The absolute worst. Uh, dude, I mean, this training sequence, to me, mm-hmm. is symbolizing the thing that I quickly touched on last time we, we were talking, which is when you watch A New Hope and Ben Kenobi puts that visor on Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And starts to tell him, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta, don't use your eyes, they deceive you, 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 you know, you gotta, you gotta trust your, your instincts, you gotta, you know, and Luke does, he's like, yeah, I, I think I did feel a little something, and, and Ben tells him, like, these are your first steps mm-hmm. into a much larger world, that, to me, was the force, it made me feel like, if I... <laughs> Was in a galaxy far, far away. All I had to do was find someone that could show me the ways of the Force, and I could tap in. Yeah. Not that it would be easy. Right. It certainly took Luke a long time, but it seemed like anyone can do it, and that really feels like where this show is going. I mean, it, literally putting the visor on and 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 keeping her blindfolded. I don't know. I thought I thought the whole sequence was great. When Ahsoka first did the thing where she moved from one place to the other, I was like, whoa, it reminded me of her episode of Mando where she was like darting through the woods and yeah. you were just like, where is she, man? Anyways, what, what were your thoughts during the training sequence? Am I off base in saying that I, I feel these direct ties to A New Hope? No, no. Uh, two, well, I guess three things. One being, yes, what an incredible tie-in to A New Hope to put the visor on, but the first thing that I that really stuck out to me was the the samurai esque yes um, display of of how that opening scene came in and and Hu Yang there defending and calling out fighting stances and and attacks um, as Sabine was attacking um, the use of the wooden sticks instead yeah just like very samurai training and even the music the the very mm. percussive kind of echoey click like, yes. like wooden clicky yeah. noises um it just really set that tone i know that dave filoni was just through the roof about the way that that scene turned out because of his affinity for samurai movies and i know it had to have been a a, a, a wink at george lucas because sure. of his affinity for uh for samurai movies and such as well. But um, one thing that I'll say about this parallel of Sabine with Luke's training is that when you're introducing, when you've got new characters and you're kind of quote unquote bending the rules of star Wars as, as far as we know it. And as far as Mm -hmm. we think about Luke and like this beautiful story with the original trilogy, um, you've got to be careful not to break out of that mold too quickly. And I feel like they're doing a great job with Sabine struggling, you know, with with the, with the Disney shows, it feels like sometimes they try to develop a character a bit too quickly. And the way that they did that was so incredible. Even with the, the cup scene that we'll get into in a minute, you know, Sabine trying to reach out and make, make a cut move across the table. It's like, it would have been low hanging fruit to just be like, have it nudge just a little mm. bit. But I think, I think they're doing a great job here of allowing, allowing us to like kind of very slowly lean into this notion that like, maybe like Ahsoka says, it is more about talent and being able to hone in the force that's within everybody. Um, rather than just having a, a predetermined uh like an inclination towards it so that was one thing that stuck out to me with yeah yeah or a middle chlorian count uh with that scene is that you know we're we're kind of i know a lot of star wars fans out there were watching that kind of 
holding their breath a little bit, being like, mm. you know, this don't make it too easy. Like, like don't make it too easy to where we're going to have this one training sequence and then, oh, okay, cool. Sabine is now force sensitive. And, you know, it, it, it's like we're working for it a little bit more and we're having to work a little bit harder. And I think I can't, I can't imagine that that was not intentional. That, that had to have been Dude. a very intentional decision to be like, sure, we can, we can put the first seven, eight, nine minutes or whatever the episode Sabine's training. It's really hard, you know. Oh, get back up and try it again, and then you try it again, and then all of a sudden, woohoo! We're force sensitive. So, the fact that 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 sequence ended without her being able to move something, you know, we got a little glimpse of it. She was starting to kind of anticipate some of Ahsoka's moves when they were fighting, but it's but she still wound up face down on the ground. Yep. So, well, first I want to say great great catch on all that, and. It is intentional, and would you like to know who that idea comes from? Mm. The man himself, George Lucas. No. Yes, and 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 I'll tell you, I can't remember the exact episode, but there was I, I I'm ninety nine percent sure it was it was one of the gallery episodes from the Mandalorian, and I believe it was Dave Filoni who shared that George Lucas told him. Uh, this actually ties into that Ahsoka episode. Mm -hmm. So I think it must have been the season two gallery episode. And George Lucas told Dave Filoni in dealing with Grogu, he said, the one thing you have to do, you have to show that he's been trained. Yeah. You have to show that there is some kind of training. You can't just snap your fingers and these people have these crazy powers. I'm not necessarily even pointing <laughs> any fingers. <laughs> I, I had a conversation with a guy at uh, Galactic Comics, nice. Florence, South Carolina, largest comic shop on the East Coast. We were talking Star Wars earlier today, and you know, I can even get behind a little bit of the reasoning why Ray had power so quickly. The idea that the the light side of the Force needed to manifest against the rising dark, you know, darkness rises and light to meet it. Like it makes sense. Mm -hmm. I, I can make it make sense. But when it comes to what we're seeing here. Again, it just feels so much more tied in with classic George Lucas Star Wars. Yeah. And no one knows Star Wars and no one can do Star Wars as good as George Lucas. But if anyone can, it's his paddle one. It's mm -hmm. Dave Filoni, man. Yep. I mean, we're seeing it come true every episode, I feel like. It's just, there's just one more thing where it's like, yep, yep, yep. Yes, yes, yes. It's just like, you know, he gets it, man. Yeah. I, I, I really do. And it's because he, you know, he studied at the... uh he studied at the feet of the master. Yeah, but um, but, I'm I'm yeah. not a I, I'm not a uh, I've loved all of the I've enjoyed all the Disney shows in varied degrees, but sure. I've enjoyed all of them. And I think I think Ahsoka, and this may be oh. putting too much stock in it. Whoa! But, but my prediction is that the the contrast between a Dave run Star Wars project, yeah. and projects prior, is really going to show through in this show because. I think a lot. I think this this show is going to unite a lot of people. Man, knock on wood. I don't want. I don't want to jinx anything, but I, I just feel like this show is is really just going to turn the the focus to Dave and the fact that we can all get on the same page and say Dave truly is George's Padawan. Like he working through the Clone <laughs> Wars the and the to story the Empire building. of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I've heard whispers. I've heard whispers of, of this Dave Filoni. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to the next scene. Uh, dude, we get her, Genevieve O'Reilly, making her return as Mon Mothma. Yep. As Hera presents to the board, basically, yeah. it felt similar to. Uh, oh man, I uh, Carson Tava. I, I I believe is his name. I might be saying that wrong. It's your boy from Kim's Convenience who's a huge Star Wars fan, so I love it for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, but whenever yeah. he goes to the New Republic and is like, hey, man, like I need some help with this thing I'm trying to do. And they're like, no, mm -hmm. like <laughs> we're not doing that. Uh, also present in that little round table, uh, the guy who was kind of being a jerk. So I don't know if you caught the animated series Resistance. Uh, it, it, it was it was a it was like a. It ran for like two seasons. Yeah, it was set in the sequel timeline. Um, you know, it's it's got its fans and critics alike. There were parts of the show that I really enjoyed, parts that were you know okay. Yeah. Uh, but but the main character in that K 
Kaz Zamundo, that was his dad. I'm 99.9% oh, wow. sure. Dang. So his son would go on to sort of be running in a crew with a lot of the, the resistance folks. Nice. Uh, so, so a little bit of a tie into the sequel trilogy well, there. His dad got slammed. His dad was being a freaking jerk and Hera, <laughs> Hera, Hera cut him down real quick. I, I love that there's like this sentiment again, Carson table was the same way in this episode. I'm referencing a Mandalorian um, where Th- there's this sentiment of if you fought for the rebellion mm-hmm. and then you're talking to these bureaucrats who work for the Republic, but it's like, where were, where were you when we were battling the right. empire? Like, it's like yeah. this thing of kind of like, I don't know. It's like, they don't get the full treatment as those who actually fought with the rebellion mm-hmm. do. And, and we saw that on full display. And I mean, honestly, hair is right. My man dug at her real deep with the with the Ezra stuff. I mean, you could tell Hera yeah. really takes that stuff super personal. I mean, yeah. she's she's still not over it. Not I mean, she shouldn't be. I mean, it seems like he's out there. And and I get I get I get why he would be um cautious of her wanting to to go after Thrawn when he thinks it's really just about Ezra. But I mean Thinking back through through Rebels, you know, all the run-ins with Thrawn and like Hera has seen firsthand how dangerous this person can be. To, yeah, to her literal home. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I, I see it from both sides. I see why someone would look at Hera and say, well, you know, per, this might be you're trying to kind of schmooze us over for some personal gain here. But I get Hera's resolve to try and say, no, this man is dangerous. We're, I fought in one war already. I'm trying to avoid another one. Like Thrawn, just such a power hungry character. Um, The amount of damage that could be done and and the ways that it could throw the galaxy back into war, uh, especially after he's had time away. If he's still, you know, if he's still out there, you know, uh, festering on these wounds and 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 some of the losses that he suffered of course he's out there just planning his next move or how he can get revenge on some of the people that uh that that pushed him out into the into the uh nether regions of the of the galaxy <laughs> the nether regions i've never heard uh i've never heard it called that i like it though uh we do get at the at the very tail end of this scene we get our boy Jason Sindula. Yes. With green hair. Everybody can chill Long out. Green He's hair. got green hair. It's okay. <laughs> there was like a Lego that came out and they're like, where's his green hair, man? <laughs> the so this show sucks, dude. He had green hair. It's okay. It's his, all right. Settle it, down. If I remember right, in in Rebels when he was shown, he he had a buzzed head, didn't he? It was like really short. Um, I don't know. He had some weird looking ears though. I didn't see his ears so much in this. I just well his hair in live action, you know, being longer and, and green like that just reminded me so much of like Ezra's hair, like Ezra is a boy hair, like right. the longer kind of shaggy and then the green, which I would assume is, you know, because his mom is. Yeah. It, was it you or was it Kayla? Uh, who's my wife who watched the show with us. One of y'all mentioned is his hair dyed? Like, could, could his hair be dyed because he looks more human and he's trying to pay tribute to his mom? Or is his hair naturally that color? Yeah. That, that, Aunt yeah. Sabine could have helped him dye that, you know? Yeah. Which, by the way, did he call her Aunt Sabine? Yeah, he did. It was kind of cool to hear to hear Aunt Sabine's trying to be a Jedi. Like, because yeah. you know that that's probably all that Jason wants to be as a Jedi. Poor kid, you yeah. Know? Mom and, just, nope. Yeah, but at least he gets to hang out with Chopper, which, again, shout out to my nephew, Dean. Like, I, I can just imagine hanging out with Chopper as a kid. It's probably great. So, he's, you know, he's doing all right. He's having a, Jason's having himself a, a good mischievous, life. A good mischievous time. I just, I'm just so glad to see that his green hair is intact and everyone's going to be able to sleep okay tonight. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say died. Just okay. pure speculation. I, if I think about comparing, like, whether or not he would have been born with green hair or, or, well, I don't know. The more that I'm thinking about it, we saw him as a very little kid in Rebels. 
We would we would have to check out what those kids look like. Couple of Thwain's kids in in the uh, Clone Wars arc, and he was in the first, maybe second episode of Bad Batch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- they were they were like half Twilight, half human babies. We'd yeah. have to look at their hair colors and see <laughs> what's what's going on here. That kid looked like looked like he was fully human, but you know whatever. We'll 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 give it a rest. <laughs> um. So next scene, uh, Ahsoka and Sabine. Are chatting about the force, and and when when Ahsoka left the room, this is something you were alluding to earlier, mm-hmm. and Sabine was beginning to, I don't know, she try, she's trying to move the cup, like yeah. you know, she's trying, like, all right, I used to do that when I was a kid. I'm not gonna lie, I used mm-hmm. to try to, you know, you never know, you might, you you might could do I it. I did that yesterday. Yeah, there you go. Uh, she says as she's doing it. The force is in all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like that's the theme of this show. I mean, and not, I mean, I'm not saying the overall theme, but it just seems like as far as the force goes, that's where Filoni's wanting to take this, mm-hmm. which is anybody can tap into it. And I mean, I got to say, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. I don't like the idea that certain people can do it, others can't. It just doesn't feel the way that it did whenever I watched it as a kid, which I'm not saying that just because that's the way it was when I was a kid, it's the way it should be. I just feel like that's the way it was until the prequels, midichlorian counts, which you could argue maybe was not a good thing. The, the Jedi were sort of like going after the like, cream of the crop like yeah. oh you have a high end count you should definitely come join our team mm-hmm. um and and maybe it's that kind of rhetoric that led to their downfall um i don't know any thoughts on that or just this this scene in general well it the question that it makes me think about is so so where do people that have been referred to as force sensitives lie like mm. if if everyone is technically like is everyone a force sensitive? Was that just a, mm. a, a miscalculation on Republic era where they, you know, they talked about force sensitives and, and like you said, high midichlorian counts and stuff. So if it now is something that mm. anyone can tap into, then, then what separates anyone from a force sensitive person or was a force sensitive, just a, a name that was made up not knowing whether or not that was actually, that made you different than anybody else. It feels to me like it might be one of those things where it's just like, if you have a high end count, Mm -hmm. you're more likely to receive training and without training, you might just be force sensitive or you might show no signs of any, any force sensitivity and that it's the training that really allows you to tap in where, I think there's like this like delineation between people with higher imp counts and people like say like Sabine who don't have a natural affinity for the force is if you're not showing that natural affinity, you're just not going to get the training. Like you're not even going to get the opportunity. Yeah. And I think that that is, it's a, it's a cool thing to go down and, and take a look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you know, I think, you know, as bringing it to the real, real world a little bit, one of the things that I'm tr- I try to be mindful of of like young kids in my family is trying to instill it to them that they can pretty much do anything if they put in their requisite amount of work if they have a passion for something. I mean, yeah, talent helps, and there are certainly things that you can do that give you a leg up. But ultimately, if there's something that you want to go after, go for it. And so I really like that parallel. I yeah. think I think I think it's great. I think that the idea that yeah, anyone can be a Jedi. It just feels good for me. Not in this, like, well, let's just be ultra inclusive. It's not even about that. Yeah. It's just about the fact that, like, yeah, anybody anybody that, can do well, it. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about how Luke and others have taught have taught Padawans and other mm-hmm. people about how the Force works. It's always, oh, the Force flows through everything. Mm-hmm. So it almost, it almost makes more sense to say that anyone could be Force sensitive than to say, well, the force flows through everything, but if you're not force sensitive, it doesn't flow through you. It, it's like, so it, it checks out more that anyone could tap into it. 
Um, and then to your point, who Yang said like minutes later when he was talking to Ahsoka about Sabine and her training, he said she would have never, she would have never been accepted into the Jedi exactly. training program. And so, Ahsoka, so to your point, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, it, as far as the Jedi council was concerned and, and seeking out people that were quote unquote force sensitive or had high midichlorian counts, it's like, we're not just going to cast the net out and let everybody get into the Jedi Academy. We've got to have some kind of determining factor of who, who can join or who cannot. And, and now here we are post Republic post empire. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, Beggars can't be choosers. You yeah. know, if, if 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 there's force, if if everybody can be force sensitive, then we can't we can't limit it to just the chosen one or someone with a high midichlorian count to be the one to be like, yep, okay, we'll train you. Yeah, I need at least one more watch before my Star Wars encyclopedic knowledge kicks in. But I feel like Ahsoka has even said something along the lines of, "And what were the Jedi right to do that?" <laughs> like, yeah. like she seemed to kind of be on the side of like. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying, Hu Yang, and yeah, that's kind of a problem. Yeah, <laughs> is, it, is it, all, it always comes back it. to the. It always comes back to the fact of, okay, good point, but where are they now? Yeah. Oh, they're all gone. Okay, because everything kind of imploded on itself when the Jedi Council. Anyway, but let's talk about that space battle that you were freaking Man. out about. At the end, you were, you were, you were literally speechless. I watched you. Yeah. You, you were, you were having a hard time. Coming up the words, uh, man, what a thrilling sequence. Yep. Uh, first off, like you said, major Anakin Skywalker vibes off of uh, Shin as she was in the ship. Yeah. Major, yeah, Rebels, but also, you know, A New Hope, gun mm-hmm. turret vibes. And the way that Ahsoka's ship is able to move yeah. is just insane. When mm-hmm. they first did that, you know, spin. Uh, have you tried spinning? That's a cool trick. Uh, when they first did the spin and hit that first ship, it was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna have to watch this sequence a million more yeah. times. It, I, th- I thought the whole thing was just riveting. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, original trilogy had a lot of of references to World War Two dogfights. Yes, dogfights yeah. and machinery i mean we're we're mm. still in a galaxy far far away so even though all of this stuff is super advanced it's also supposed to seem very primitive which mm-hmm. aligns a lot with the scrappy nature of making those movies and and uh, movies being the original trilogy and yeah. like how things had to be put together and how things were designed but like when those when those fighter when those star fighters came out of nowhere like all I could think about was like World War II planes. Didn't they look like little snuff fighters or something? Yeah, like, yeah, they were like snuff fighters. But like, I mean, you think about a World War II plane that's got a, a big propeller on the on the front yeah, of it, yeah. and it's got that round fuselage. So you, you've got wow, these starfighters that come ships. out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Keep going, keep going. You got these starfighters come out of nowhere, and they look exactly like that without the propeller. It, it's just a grill. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if that was intentional or not or, or if that's where some of the inspiration came from but i definitely got a lot of like world war ii fighter I'm plane right vibes from that yeah um even down to like the the blaster sounds of those of those star fighters like they were just you know the first time you saw um jango fett slave one mm-hmm. and he he released the seismic depth charge and that that oh, sound yeah. like that sound will never get out of your head never that 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 silence and then that you know just so i don't know it just there's something about like starfighter blaster sounds that that sometimes can just hit a chord or, or they can just hit you in such a way where you're like this is this is amazing and and a lot of the choreography of that that dog fight and and some of the moves it just it really sucked you in and the fast-paced nature of it it was just I, I I'm with you and and there was a moment I think it's when the when the ship kind of seemed like it was about to like explode. I also felt like that had never really been done in Star Wars. You know, like it it was sort of like are are they? I mean, I didn't actually think Ahsoka and Sabine had yeah. died, but like there was this moment of like, oh wow, I guess I guess they really uh, they're gonna have to figure their way out of this one. I was it, waiting for a tractor beam when they were when oh, they were yeah. like. When they were like floating through, you saw the glass shards like kind of spread out, and they were floating through the 
I have Sion. I, I kept waiting for a tractor beam to just pull him in. The tension through there just felt great. Like yeah. there was something about the way that that the whole scene. It didn't feel like, oh, they would they would totally be dead, or oh, this is taking way too long, or it, it was just it was just very well done. Mm-hmm. I, again, I, I I really like Steph Green a lot as a director. I hope that she keeps coming back for more. I'd love to see her do some Mando stuff. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, man, it, that that whole scene was great. Then straight out of like you know Rebels or Clone Wars, <laughs> Ahsoka grabs a spacesuit and busts out a lightsaber and jumps out into space and she's jumping around the ship and i mean we both called it to each other it's like oh they're about to take a ship out you were like yep. you were, you were like they're about to clip a wing i <laughs> yeah. know it and then like I we knew, see yeah. it it's just like yes like it, it it felt like one of those things where i i don't know who else besides dave would have had the balls to do that basically yeah. it's just like yeah just take your lead character just put her out in space let her take her lightsabers out and just tear these ships down mm-hmm. like it's just like little kid stuff you know it's just it, but it was it was great I, oh, yeah. I i loved it fantasy it just it just screamed like this is space battle fantasy it wasn't like what is or is not star wars it just we haven't seen something like that and for her to get out there with her custom tailored helmet that fit perfectly like it that that was fantastic and even the 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 on the edge of your seat feeling of of at the end of that sequence when she's getting back in the ship and she kind of hooks around that yes flies right in there as the wing is like turning around it just that's what i'm saying about you know Maybe it was the writing, but it just felt it felt a little bit more like the directing, like Steph Green, just the way she managed Some of the shots, the tension yeah. through that whole sequence, just felt really great. It wasn't like a big CGI spectacle, it, you know. I mean, obviously there was, but I'm just saying it, it wasn't some big bombastic thing. It was mm-hmm. more about the way that it felt. Yeah, uh, that I that I really was digging. And from there, we've got Purgle. <laughs> so. Let's talk about the Purgle for a minute, because uh, if you didn't watch Rebels, you don't you don't know missing what out. these Purgle are. You're missing yep. out. This is a theme of this show so mm-hmm. far. Uh, but, you know, here at Star Wars After Party, we got you covered. Yeah. We get it. You didn't watch four seasons of Rebels. You didn't watch seven seasons of Because you Wars. have a life. Uh, yeah, you or have a life. things Man, to do. Or disdain, friends to hang out with. The disdain in young Cameron's Ugh. face when he said you have a life. Man, it's like you only, don't have hours to just sit around and build Legos and watch Star Wars Rebels all within, you know, yeah. a matter of two or three weeks. Like, what are you doing? So yeah. here's here's the pearl. Uh, somewhere in episode or sorry, season two or three. Uh, basically the 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 Ghost Crew was looking for. They needed some fuel. It was some real Last Jedi stuff. Mm-hmm. They needed some fuel. And so they went out of this, you know, we'll call it like a tanker yard in space. And there were all these like Purgle flying around. And Ezra, remember that guy, made a connection with the Purgle. Like he he has a strong connection with animals. It's just kind of one of his force abilities that he uh, he's just very astute with. And... He sort of remembered the Purgle where everyone else watching Rebels, I think, forgot. It was just kind of like you watch Rebels and you, after a couple years, you'd be like, you remember that one weird episode where there was those space whales? What was up with that? Yeah. And then you get to the finale, and we touched on this some last week, but to be very specific with it here, basically what Ezra's plan was, he got Jai Kel, remember Jai Kel from the first episode of Ahsoka? He got Jai Kel to essentially call the Purgle using a radio frequency. Mm-hmm. The Purgle traveled through hyperspace, because they can do that, and they wrapped themselves around Thrawn's ship, and they blasted off into hyperspace with Ezra and with Thrawn, and that's the last that we've seen of them. Yeah. So when you see these space wells, these Purgle, and you hear Sabine kind of mention, I've seen any Purgle since, you know, 
the day Ezra left. Disappeared, yeah. That's the significance here. And as you, you know, the idea that the Purgle are where they are, that the Eye of Scion is there at that planet, um, you can even see, uh, there does seem to be on the end credits, there's this one moment, uh, maybe a minute in, where it sort of like slows down and goes to this one space, and then it does a long jump. You imagine maybe that's the pathway to Peridia. There were definitely like a ton of like Purgle drawings mm-hmm. around that. So these Purgle are a hundred percent important. They very much tie into where the series is going, where Thrawn has gone, and therefore you know where Ezra has gone. So yeah, Purgle, <laughs> look them up on Wikipedia. I guess yeah. yeah but I mean, that's your that's your quick uh, uh, Tyler breakdown version. Do we know? Do we know why? the eye of Sion is being staged specifically in the Deneb system. It's gotta be, uh, it's, it's just gotta be, that's where the hyperspace lane to get to the next galaxy is. But, but that, that wasn't contingent on the map that was found, right? Well, the the map that they were looking at. I think it, I think it is though, because my, my, I'm almost wondering now at this point, now that we're kind of talking about it and going back through it, I'm almost wondering if I have sign isn't being staged there because they've been, tr- because someone, I'm not sure who, but someone has been tracking like maybe migration patterns of Purgle and, and they would happen to be in this place. Like the fact that the Purgle are, are in the Danab system and the I have sign, it's almost like confirmation that like maybe they're kind of following I, a route. I think it's confirmation to us. Mm-hmm. I don't think that anyone in Morgan's crew is that connected or attuned with the Purgle. Mm. Uh, I could be wrong. Fair enough. Generally, yeah. like the Empire and, and and the evil ilk are not really so concerned with like nature and animals and things like that. Maybe, maybe they are. I think it's more, they did get the map. Remember Ahsoka asked Sabine, she's like, did you get the planet? Mm. Did you get the planet that we're going to use to go? And she was like, I didn't get the planet. Yeah, They have the planet. And the the way that they were going to find the planet, Ahsoka and Sabine, I mean, was, a uh, was with the tracker. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. So, yeah, yeah. I think that it was the, the map that led them to, it's, it, it, it's Danab, kind of like Tanab, like mm-hmm. the Battle of Tanab, but it's Danab. Yeah. Uh, okay. Interesting. I'll have to look that up. I When I heard Danab, I thought about... Uh, Bill Burr being like, yeah, he lost pressure in the Battle of Denab. But it was, I think it was Tanab again. Uh, I, I don't think it was Denab. Bill Burr in, in Star Wars is literally Amazing. just Bill Burr in Star Wars. It's my favorite yeah. thing. I mean, it's just like, yeah, they gave him a different name, but it's basically just it's Bill just, Burr yeah. in Star Wars. Um, yeah, so then, you know, the episode sort of ends with, uh, oh, we didn't really talk. Okay. <laughs> Before we get into the forest thing, we've got to talk about. Merrick, we we did hear a little bit of dialogue. Mm-hmm. He's definitely got a robotic voice thing happening. Yep, not quite sure who he is. It's Kylo Ren. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's it's four year old baby Kylo Ren. That's right. Um, you had brought up this point. I had not heard this, but it does seem to be true. I did not actually pull up the credits myself, but allegedly. Sam Witwer, mm-hmm. who voiced Darth Maul. Oh, yeah. Who voiced Palpatine. He voiced the brother and the Mortis Arc. He also voiced a guy named Galen Merrick. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. And uh, Starkiller, mm-hmm. uh, who was Vader's apprentice in the video game The Force Unleashed. Now, Legends, uh, no longer considered canon, but... All we know is that in episode two of Ahsoka, Merrick let out a grunt. <laughs> Literally. He was like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> and in the additional voices cast was the name Sam Witwer. Yep. Now, I, I'm i fairly certain that Sam and Dave Filoni are really good buds. Mm-hmm. I think that it's completely plausible that Filoni would just... You know, throw Sam a bone. Hey, come do some voices of you know some background. What? Well, and, totally and Sam's, possible. He's he he's incredibly involved in the in the fandom. 
You yeah. know, Sam Witwer speaks at a lot of Star Wars events. Yeah. Especially for being such a fairly playing such a fairly small role within the Star Wars universe. So, you know, it it, it shows that he's got a gen, a genuine interest in Star Wars in storytelling in general to to stay involved with such small roles, but yes, Sam Witwer has touched a lot of things in Star Wars and Who's to say that that mask might come <sighs> off and... It may not be your boy, Sam Whitworth, playing your boy, Galen Merrick? Yeah. Merrick? I mean, it, it almost seems too obvious. It's like, why would you just name him Merrick? Like, they they changed the, the spelling of the name. And, and yes, Galen Merrick was his original name. Basically, if I'm remembering correctly, it's been quite a while... Cameron's throwing his fingers up, so maybe he'll correct <laughs> me here. It's been quite a while since I've played The Force Unleashed, but you know, basically starts with Vader. He's he's hunting down some Jedi, and he and he and he comes along this uh, hut over in Kashyyyk, I think it was, and kills a Jedi. And as he's leaving, this little kid who was the Jedi's son like grabs at him, and it was it mm. was it was Galen. Uh, and, and Vader ended up taking him as an apprentice, mm-hmm. apprentice named Starkiller. And um, yeah, the game was great. I really enjoyed it a lot. Whenever I was playing it, it's probably like maybe 2008. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, Do you think Star Killer was a family name? <laughs> well, it was certainly the original name for uh, the Adventures of Luke Star Killer, right? Yeah. Or maybe it was Anakin Star Killer at that time. But yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, Luke's original last name, Skywalker. Uh, but Star Killer. I just imagine looking at my infant son and, I mean, and thinking <laughs> Star his Killer. name will be. Stark. Well, and and you know they're also in canon. But to be fair, you got Star Killer Base, mm-hmm. which you know they were literally killing stars. I mean, it could have just been a coincidence, but yeah. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just floating it out there. Uh, Merrick can just be Merrick. They can chop off his head and never unmask him, and I would be fine with That's, it. Yeah. But there's also, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more. But there's also some like I just keep getting these Mortis vibes, man. Because I I really felt like. Balin and Shin were a duo, but there's a lot of this Merrick guy kind of hanging around. So yeah. I'm a little bit like maybe Merrick's the son and maybe Shin's the daughter and maybe Balin is the father. Like I, I don't know. We're going to talk a little bit about that in this episode that we're going to drop later this week. Um, we won't go too far into it, but yeah. you know, I just wanted to make mention Merrick Galen Merrick question mark, Sam Whitworth question mark. I don't know. Yeah, the the mer- the thing that I would say about the name being just like ever slightly different was wh- yeah. what was it in Rebels? Wasn't there a um a force sensitive being that that started to see the Ezra started to see after Kanan died? Was yeah, it dude. was it a wolf or Yeah, it was a, it was a loath wolf. Yeah. But what and was he kept its saying, name? He kept saying Doom. Yeah. <laughs> but it was what was the name of it? The name of the what? Of the, that creature. The Loath Wolf? Yeah. I mean, I don't no, think it, it had a name. It, it, well, it presented to himself, it, it presented himself to Ezra with a name. And the name was very, it was like barely different than Canaan's name. It was Canaan's name because Canaan's original name was Caleb Doom. Okay. Then, yeah. Okay. That's right. Then that's yeah. where it is. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was, uh, and, and some, Someone pointed that out to Ezra because he was like, "Who is this? Who is this?" Yeah. And so when he was discussing it with somebody, terrible. Reporting. It was it was Kanan. Kanan was like, "That's my like, name." Yeah, he's like, "My Doom, my name was Doom, Caleb Doom." Yeah. Because well, what it was, he kept saying Doom, and so you thought he was saying like Doom, like Doom and Gloom. Yeah. Uh, but no, he was actually saying D U M E. So I think that's that's kind of what you're thinking that, of. Yeah. So but to your point about about the the father and then the the brother and the or the yeah let's get wild i get what you're saying the brother and the sister and the father yeah he was the the brother was very submissive all the way up until he started to act out and i noticed in the all the way up until he started murdering everybody in his family right 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 but but until then he kind of he stuck to the shadows he kind of played his part but i noticed in the in the space battle that shin hati said for him to do something Mm. Or said we're gonna do this, or you know, let's find them on the ground, or, or I can't remember what it was, but he responded, and you could barely 
understand what he was saying, but he said something along the lines of, as you wish. Right. So in that mind, that kind of set the seed of like, okay, maybe hmm. maybe he's kind of the the submissive one in this like three-tiered relationship between Balin and then Shin and, and then Merrick. Merrick. Well, so, he's, yeah, he's certainly the odd man out. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Um, which it did kind of also feel like the brother was the odd man out of the 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 group. So I don't know. It, 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 that idea, I'm I'm not opposed to it. I might even subscribe to it in some way, but it also goes against another theory I've got. But we'll we'll save that for mm. for uh, this next episode. <laughs> so we end up in this. Really cool forest that yeah. uh, that we saw at the end of last week's episode, and uh, we see Balin instruct a crew like, "All right, go get them." So that's that's where episode four is uh, going to kick off. Um, I'm really stoked about that. I think we're going to get, I think we're going to get some pretty intense battles next week mm-hmm. in between Ahsoka, Sabine, Shin, Balin. Merrick, I think we're going to see it. I think we're going to see some stuff really come together. And I, 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 I'm going to go ahead and get this out there now. Dave Filoni is directing the fifth episode. Anytime Dave directs, say like a fifth episode or a sixth episode, it's always because it's a hitter and it generally is going to be introducing a character from animation mm. when, when he directed uh, season two, episode five, it was Ahsoka. when he directed book of Boba Fett. It was, yeah, the Luke Skywalker episode, but it also brought in Cat Bane. Yeah. So like Dave generally directs these episodes that are going to be like, all right, this is going to be like a showstopper. And it's usually tied with a character that he's had a hand in creating uh, and while he didn't create Thrawn, he's certainly done a lot with Thrawn. And I'm just saying, we might be getting Thrawn in episode five. I was about to say, so you're gonna put, you're putting your money on Thrawn in I'm, episode five. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and put it here. Okay. Thrawn episode five, and I think the next week we're gonna get some serious battles and 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 maybe a little bit more of an explanation to what everybody's um motivations are because I I also don't think. You know, rest in peace, Ray Stevenson. But I, I don't think that Balin makes it out of this season no. alive. And so I think that we're going to start to unpack him as a character sooner rather than later because who knows how much time we really got with him. Yeah, so, I, I'm kind of smelling a self sacrificial death. I can type see it, thing man. Happening with him. I, we'll talk about that on the speculation yeah, yeah, episode. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, make sure that you are subscribed and followed along because we are definitely going to be getting into some Balin this week. You miss Balin. We miss Balin. That's why we're going to talk about a little extra. So make sure you're subscribed, follow along so that you can get that notification when we drop that episode. Send us mail. Send us mail. We're going to have our first call in. Actually, uh, we've got a, a message from friend of the pod. Ben Gager nice. dropped a really cool voicemail chatting about some, some legends EU stuff that just kind of like blew my mind. I was listening to it. I was like, all right, I got some, I got some homework yeah, to do. I was about to say, maybe I need to it, study a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I got a little bit of homework to do. So do you. So, uh, yeah, all that's coming, uh, in that episode. Tell you what, you could really help out the podcast by giving us rating, uh, doing a quick review. If you like what we're doing, just, you know, leave a, leave a quick review on your podcatcher of choice. It really is going to help just expand the reach of the show. We want to keep this thing going. It mm-hmm. would be a lot easier to do knowing that there's an audience out there listening. So, yeah. so please, uh, we we were not upset at the download numbers we got for just kind of throwing this out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if if you enjoyed it, you know, please pass it along. And uh, yeah, we're really stoked to to keep it going. Because one way or another, Tyler and I are just going to keep talking about Star Wars. We'll just keep talking into the void. We'll talk to the void. But we but... would just like to. We would like to bring y'all on and on it too. Yeah, I, so. I think it'd be nice. Why don't we go ahead and start to land this ship? Yeah. Next week we're gonna be back for episode four. Before then, we'll be doing some speculation with Bam. Yep. Cameron, how how much are you loving this season of Masoga right now? I am absolutely in love with it. I I think I'm uh 
10 out of 10. Yeah. 10 out of 10, no doubt. So, yeah, if you would, please hit us with a subscribe. Get us some razor reviews. If uh, paid support's your thing, that's cool. We got to get Cameron a mic clip. I'd love to just buy Cameron a mic clip every week. And he'll just be like General Grievous's lightsaber collection. Yeah. Uh, you can shoot us a little tip over on Venmo at Star Wars After Party if you're so inclined. Until next time, Tyler out. And Cameron out. This party's over.